to the Social Media Mindset Podcast. Social media is hard, but trying to do social media as somebody else is impossible. Do you struggle with imposter syndrome? Do you hate seeing yourself on camera? Are you unsure of what platform to be on and how often to show up there? Well, join the club. On every episode, you'll hear a real life person talk about their successes and struggles on social media, how they overcame their own insecurities, and they'll give practical insight for you to apply today. So if you're ready, let's start the show. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Social Media Mindset Podcast. And today, we have an episode unlike any other we've ever had before, because I am am with a gentleman who he doesn't even have a title. He wears so many hats. There isn't one title that can truly embody what he does. But but guys, today I've got Casey Knowles with Ticket Mortgage. Casey, what's up, dude? Hey, what's happening, man? I'm so glad you're here. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. And and here's why this is unique because this is going to be, I don't know what episode this will be. This will be episode like high seventies to eighty, somewhere in that range of my show. And guys, we've never done anything like this because Casey and a friend of mine, Nick Carpenter, that that has the Legion of Loan Officers. Man, y'all teamed up. And y'all put together a TV show. And, and when I say TV show, guys, I don't want you to think like homemade TV show. I want you to think like HGTV, like something you've seen on your literal TV. The, Casey, this is what you guys did. And the premise, and then I'm going to shut up and not talk for 30 minutes at least. The premise of this, guys, is they wanted to prove the way they run their business. And so Casey picked up and moved. You picked up and moved from where you live with your family. You relocated to a different part of the state where you knew no one. And you literally figured out how to get to, was it 2 million in volume? That was the goal. That was the goal, right? In in less than 90 days. And so it's relo-elo, correct? Yeah, relo-elo. Show is the website, but yeah, Reloello. Reloelloshow.com. And this will all be in the show notes. And so, bro, let's just like further the premise, give us the details that you want to give us. And then I just have like so many questions about all the different marketing strategies that went into making this happen because at the end of the day, that's what this podcast is about. So, dude, the floor is yours. Like, just go. <laughs> Uh, well, well, to start off with, I, I had moved to Colorado, and even though I was a seasoned loan officer, I hadn't started over in a long time. And so, after somewhat failing for a few months in Colorado, I started working with Nick and the Legion of Loan Officers. Yeah, and I was able to do really well within my first twelve months of starting my brokerage, the first fiscal year. So, and let's tell everybody, like you're 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 a super super humble guy, which I love about you. And so you're not going to say it, but tell like, so people have an, have a benchmark, like what'd you, what'd you end up doing in your first 12 months? Yeah. As a broker, I was number four in Colorado, um, in my first, my first fiscal year here. Um, and it was 50, 52 million or something like that personally. And then we did a hundred, I had a couple other people I hired and so we did a little over a hundred million. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. Keep going. 
Well, the, you know, just really short, since he helped me do that in a short amount of time. And I, I have, um, when I hear people say they can't do it or, you know, things can't be done or they have a negative mindset, I, I felt like I owed Nick Carpenter at least. Um, so if you ever follow Nick, whenever you go on Facebook and stuff, he runs ads. And if you see any of his ads, you're going to get retargeted yeah. and hammered with his ads. And so since he's my friend, whenever I look at the comments, sometimes they're always, they're always burning him because his beard and, you know, he's a piece of garbage and like, they, they don't even know this guy. He's one of the right. nicest guys in the entire planet. And so the best. Yeah. And so as I did really well, and I only did well because he kind of brought some new marketing into my world and I was able to use my world and his world in combination and do really yeah. well with it. That when I saw the comments, just bashing his character and stuff, I always had a little bit of a um, kind of a chip on my shoulder that I'd like to prove it publicly that Nick's badass, that he's just yeah. a kind guy, great guy and his stuff works. And so I did go to him and say, Hey, look, um, and we were wanting to recruit. And I thought, hey, if sure. we could show on paper, like on camera, that what I do and what you do, that if we just put together a plan, you do the plan, I'll stick to it, that it'll work. And I, since I already did it, I believed I could do it again with his help. And we just did that. We put together a plan. Or actually, he put together a plan. I executed it in the hopes of doing $2 million, originating $2 million by the third month. And... Um, I don't want to give away the numbers, but the numbers are substantial. So um, more, can, more than what you had planned. Quite a bit more. Yeah. Substantially more. Yeah. So, so, so guys, this is think about listeners. Like how many times have we been like, oh, we could do, we could do that. Oh, if I had to start over. Pff, yeah, I could do that. You did it because it's easy for us to talk about it. Yeah, but you did it. <laughs> Um, that, yeah, that's, it's an interesting point because while I was doing it, there was another person in the industry who's a very high level guy and he hadn't restarted. You know, you always get these guys that are super famous, right? Like you'll get sure. a very Habib guy or somebody and they're like, if right. I were to start over, I would do this. Right. And I felt like I was that guy. Like, I felt like I could have told you if I start over, this is what I would do. Yeah. And what happens is, is when you actually do it, you realize, and what was cool about when I did it, I wrote my results on the wall, on the show, the people, where deals mm -hmm. came from. And even though I knew what I was going to do and I executed it to a pretty high percentage and I got good results, I still went back and looked at what happened and go, oh, I would do it different again. And yeah. uh, that, that was the aha moment. That was the cool thing. Like, that's why I spent three months away from my house because- now I know how to do it faster. Yeah. So, so Casey, talk about like, obviously y'all haven't even released the full, like as we record this episode, y'all haven't aired the final episode yet. So, so obviously yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, there's going to be things that you may not be able to, to, to talk about just yet, but in general, can you, can you talk about like what you would even do different if season sure. two is dropping you in another city? Yeah. So I knew the real estate agent that I work really well with my avatar, my perfect client. Yeah. Um, I've been doing this about 20 years. So I knew who I was looking for. Okay. And in the end, it played out very well. I ended up finding my clients that I do really well with, you know, 
specific age, gender, their situation, how long they've been in the business, how big their team is. I have this person really well identified. Yeah. What I realized in the end, I, I had written about 50 names on the board of people that were my database that I'd created while I was there. And then in the end, I pulled out the names of the people that I did business with. And what I found, what, what I realized was instead of going into a market, casting a big net and waiting for my two or three people to come out of it. Yeah. If I had started off that three months hyper-focused on this person that I already identified and speaking to them very specifically, I wouldn't have had to deal with the other 47 people that I didn't like or marginally liked or kind of liked or whatever, that I could have been even more, I could have been way more efficient. And, And what happened was I ended up getting more than my number from just two people. Wow. Um, and I don't want to get into it too far, but yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we had quite a few units, but just two people that were my avatar, my perfect client got me more than I needed for our goal. And so I could have avoided a lot of heartache, um, you know, cold calling or doing things sure. that invites to classes and things that people uh, specifically honing in my message to yeah. the needs and emotions of my client. So that was a big finding. Yeah. And that's huge, right? I mean, that, that should be the goal uh, of any of us. I, I don't, I don't know if you've, have you ever read the book who moved my cheese? Yeah. Oh yeah. So they, it's one of my that favorite Blanchard, books. Ken Blanchard. Yeah. Yep. And well, so they have, I didn't realize until just recently, they have a kid's version that he mm-hmm. wrote. Yeah. And, and so I bought it for our daughter for her birthday and I read it to her two <laughs> nights ago. Nice. And, um, Man, it was it was fascinating, like watching her seven year old brain kind of wrap her mind around the concepts that, as most adults, don't even understand yeah. about some of this stuff. And and so, you know, what I want to kind of understand about about this whole process through Relo Lo is like walk us through at like a high level of you you go into this city, mm-hmm. you already know your avatar. And that's obviously a huge piece, but then like, where do you begin to cast your net? What, what does that look like to begin to kind of start leaving some like trails Yeah, that cause those people to kind of come out of the woodwork? Yeah. And um, it actually happens pretty naturally. If, if the thing that I have of value is needed by my client, then okay. you, you just kind of need to get that message in front of enough people for them to hear it. Right. Okay. But one step better is if you can, instead of speaking to what you have, you speak to that person's, um, your perfect client's not perfect. Your perfect client has holes in their game. Your perfect right. client. Um, for example, my perfect client is, is like a 32 year old female realtor who either has is divorced or has a significant other who doesn't support her and they're not happily married. Um, okay. isn't part of a Keller Williams team and have to do scripts and have meetings and they have all this structure. They're one to two people, three people on a team. They don't really have a lot of support. So when I come in and I'm like, I can help you with these things. They don't have five other bosses telling them what to do. And they're not late on scripts and all these other stuff. So they actually need help. And that makes it really easy right. that when I offer help and they show up and I say, Hey, look, 
why don't you hand me your database? Let me make some phone calls for you. They're like, here you go. Like, I need help. You're here to help me. I will open my world to you. Somebody's part of a huge team that has huge support. And I say, hey, why don't you let me help you? And they're like, well, I got scripts at nine and I didn't even do the work I was supposed to do yesterday. And right. my production managers on my butt, like they just don't have time. And yeah, so, so you're you're coming to them with a completely unique value proposition for than them specifically from from, from an LO before. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so then if if I'm the listener, I'm listening to this going, dude, this is great, right? I could do this, but like out of all the realtors in this new market that you show up to, how do you identify where yours are? That and that's just it, right? So whenever you identify who your perfect client is, mm-hmm. you finding out where they where they locate, you know, where they hang out, that's step two, right? Like, first of all, who's this person and yeah. what are their needs and why do they need that? And what happens if they don't get it? And um, you know, like mine, say she's single with a 10-year-old son. How does she feel when she's at work and not with her son? How does she feel when she's with her son and not at work? Like she needs to make it. She needs to show him she's successful, but she doesn't want to be so Mm -hmm. successful that he feels alone. That's the kind of depth that once you figure that stuff out, then you'll find out also where they hang out online. Like, are they listening to Gary V or are they in the Facebook group? You know what I mean? And once you find out where they're at, then it's pretty easy to deliver the message that you've developed by understanding where their emotions are. I'm not trying to get too crazy here, but yeah, no. If yeah. if I'm trying to get somebody to a class, then we kind of need the whole hook, right? Kind of throw mm-hmm. some sort of hook so they they see you, and then some sort of story on you were there and you can help them transform to somewhere else, and then some sort of offer like, "Hey, I got this class and we can fix this problem." So identifying who they are actually helps me create a hook create some sort of story to connect with them mm-hmm. and then a solution, which would be a class in the situation. And now I haven't made it to this episode in the show yet. So hopefully I don't even, I don't ask this question and it's not even accurate, but I know it, Cause again, guys, I'm telling you, when you go watch this, like there's previews for the next episode, like that, that you're like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen. And so in one of the previews that I saw, like you have a class that you've promoted Yep. Right. All of this is, is working and like you, you know who you want there. You've invited and, and in the, the preview, there's like three people in the room. Mm-hmm. And now, so this is the part that I don't know if like, you know, you're using that as the hook, but then like 14 other people came or if there were only three people in the room, but how did that, how did that story play out? And then regardless of if there were 50 there or three, how did you then leverage that class to create enough value to get them to pay attention? Okay. Well, three people showed up because three people needed what I had. Okay. So three, so that was the real number, three people. Yeah. Which is important, which is important, right? Heck yeah. So I could offer ice cream and get everybody to go there Mm -hmm. or I can just offer what I had and I get the three right people. Preach. Two Two of those three people got me more than my number. Wow. And what was, what was really cool about that and what everybody can do is you look for wins. So we were going to stand up in front of the room. We we're going to do this big class. Our production crew was, had twice as many people as our attendees. <laughs> so we got guys with mics and cameras and 
I had a loan officer of mine come. Nick was there. Nick drove three hours to be there, four oh hours. Gosh. And then we have four film guys and only three people came to the class. And so um, I even had a title guy there. I mean, it was it was embarrassing at best. And dude, you're sweating. I mean, like you look yeah. like you want to throw up on <laughs> like on the episode. Well, the problem with that at first was I was thinking this is about me. I got the cameras on me and I'm doing sure. this TV sure. show and you know, I'm, I got my name on the line and nobody comes. And for about 30 seconds, I'm like, man, I probably look like a, I probably look like a fraud. And, right. um, but I, you know, I leaned over with Nick and said, man, that, you know, there's three people here. It's not about me. Like let's rip it. And so we got off stage and pulled the tables together and we just all sat down together and we made it really, um, close knit and yeah. we just started talking and it turned out being the best thing ever because we, we used what we had. Right. And, and uh, the people that came, it was about them. we we just started focusing on them and that actually enabled me to really understand what they needed. And luckily, or I'm, I don't know if it's lucky or not, but each problem that they had actually had a solution to. So mm-hmm. one person was super busy and we had a solution for um, getting a VA to help them for yep. assistant. Yep. And then another person had a different problem and then the guy had a different problem and we had solutions for all those. And that enabled us to actually get quite a bit of relationship time in the class instead of just standing up and being a talking head. And man, it, I, I hope people hear that, right? Y'all brought solutions to their problems. Whereas most loan officers in that situation would just bring their pitch to the table. Yeah, we didn't have a pitch. <laughs> right. Well, so, be, because pitches yeah. suck. They, they don't work. Yeah. Right? Because a pitch is about you. But you guys, what y'all are so good at is you're tailoring what you guys do well to, to be the, the answer to their problems. So I'm curious, the three people that were in the room, how did your invite get to them? Was it all three the same, the same invite or was it, all, was it different? Yeah, I... I, I I got a I had a little bit of skill on one of them. I had called this girl named Jashelle, and she was part of a somewhat successful real estate team. It was her and another girl. Okay. And I tried getting, and this was a little bit of elbow grease. I'd sent her some Facebook messages, and she didn't reply um, three or four times. But it was my job to get some commitments to go to the class. And so finally, one day, I called on the phone and picked, and she picked up. And I said, Hey, what's the deal? You're not like replying to my messages. Um, I got this class and she goes, well, I'm, I'm too busy to go to your class. And I give myself a little bit of credit on this one because I said, wow, that's fantastic. I think she said that we had four closings yesterday. And so it's, you know, four closings. I just can't be there. Sure. And uh, on that one, I did pretty good. And I said, well, if you're that busy that you can't answer the phone, you could probably get a virtual assistant to make sure that when your offers are coming in, that people are getting back to them Mm -hmm. to help your future business. And you could probably do that really cheap. If you come to my class, I'll talk to you about it 10 minutes before class. And we'll see if we can get a virtual assistant place. Come on. She was a smart girl. And she goes, yeah, makes sense. And she ended up being one of the two girls that I did the most business with. Wow. So So, your willingness to pivot, right? Like in that moment, from, I was still, I was still, the, list, I was still listening for a problem is, right? is where I, is where I did good. I was right. listening for a problem. She gave me a problem and I'm like, yeah, I could, yeah, we could fix that. So I love it. 
I love it. And so then the other two. Yeah, there's a guy named there's a guy named Eric there. Eric's a fantastic guy. Um, he wasn't my avatar. You know, he's not my 32 year old female. And so um, I ended up meeting him afterwards for a one on one. It didn't go anywhere. And then there was a girl named Lori in there. And um, Lori and I are still so close. I'm going to see her like next week. Um, and so um, and then Lauren just got there, I think, off of a Facebook ad, I think. OK, we ran about thirty dollars in Facebook ads per class. Man, it's I, I love it. And I know, guys, just so you all know, right, like the Legion of Loan Officers is an unbelievable group of people. We'll have a link in the show notes to, to that. Uh, I'm actually speaking the at the time of us recording this in about three weeks. I'm speaking at the cabal inside of the Legion of Loan Officers. And so, um, guys, I, I like Casey. I'm an incredible advocate of Nick Carpenter and the value that he just so freely gives to our industry and uh, would also fight anyone that that chose to, uh, you know, stand opposed to that. Um, he'd probably rather have you in his corner than me. <laughs> um, for anybody that sees a picture of Casey and then knows what I look like, you'd probably take Casey. But nonetheless, man, the, the value that you guys bring to the table is, is, is unbelievable. Um, people get tattoos of Legion of Loan Officer yeah. on their bodies, right? Which is, which is unbelievable to me. And, and so, uh, and actually you can go back. I think it's like episode, maybe like three or four or five. Uh, Nick was on my show really, really early on for anybody that wants to go listen. But Casey, talk to people about, because you you said you've been in this industry for two decades. Yeah. What do you watch LOs do poorly just over and over and over again when it comes to the way they they do things online? I I, I think that most people in real estate, I would say realtors and loan officers are alike, try to get business too close to the goal line, too close to the sale is is how I feel. If I get on Facebook and somebody's like, hey, does anybody know a loan officer in Vancouver? And then there's 300 people saying, pick me, pick me. Mm -hmm. um, when you get close to the close to getting paid, when you get close to the sale, the competition is really high yeah. and the client's sales resistance is really high. Nobody wants to get sold. Trust is really hard to, to be gotten. And I feel that too many salespeople try to operate close to that line, either through leads or so what happens is, you know, our, our time frame for getting paid in real estate at best is probably 30 days. You find sure. a client 30 days later, hopefully you get paid. And so I think many loan officers, real estate agents, since they don't get paid regularly, I think there's a lot of demand to make money. So they try to get as close to the sale as possible, for example, with leads. Mm -hmm. And when you work in leads, you're trying to develop these relationships. It's, it's one unit of work to get one unit of pay. And I don't like to operate, in my opinion, I think that that's a bad way to do it. The sooner you can yeah. get away from the goal line, just like football, you ever see the football on the goal line? Like they can't move that ball four inches because right. everyone yep. is focused on that ball. But the rest of the game, the average yards per, per play is like 3.6 yards or whatever it is. It's a right. huge difference. Right. That's how I feel. And so whenever I try to work, I try to get as far away from the sale as possible 
to get the referral situation and build, I can build one relationship with the real estate agent that takes me say three hours. Sure. Whereas I could spend three hours calling leads and just get one deal. And I feel that too many people try to work close to the goal line is my, is, is my gut. So man, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, my, my, my next question to you is, is like, somebody can agree that this is true, but there's a mindset shift that it takes to like turn the salesman off inside of you to truly come from a place of value. And like, how do you teach another LO or realtor to like truly care enough about you to go, dude, I'm not, if I don't make any money off of you for the next 90 days, like that's not my concern. We, I, I think guys like you guys like Nick, even guys like me, that truly operate from a place of value. I don't know if it's innate in us or if it's taken a long time, but like, I know you've worked with LOs that like, they just can't figure this part out. Yeah. So like what shift in mindset does it take to truly not just say what you said, but be, but be telling the truth when you say it. Yeah. That, that happened with me over, over time. Okay. When I, I was a wholesale lender whenever the market changed in 08 and I went from being a wholesale lender to a retail lender, okay. a regular loan officer. So I was a rep before for a while. And then yeah. I became a loan officer. Anyway, there's a long period there, but in 08, where I was at, you values went from 500 to 300,000 pretty much overnight. And there, mm. there were no loans to be had for about a year. And when I went back into the game in retail, since all the broker shops went out of business, I started repairing people's credit. And my thought was, if I get this buyer ready, I'm going to give it to a real estate agent and then they're going to owe me a deal. So for every deal I procure, I get two out of it. And I thought about it in a mechanical sense where I'm going to create value and I'm going to get value mm-hmm. back. And I did it intentionally. It, it worked really, really, really well. Yeah. And so since then, I've always known that. But as you get older, you start to realize that the, the, the value is always in the relationship. Yeah. And um, to, to prove a point, to prove a point in the show, most people would think, hey, if you only have 90 days to do this, the best way to do it would be to run in, be super greasy and schmooze and just try to take, 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 because you're not going to be there very long. So the fastest way to win would be to do it in a takeaway, right? Right, right. Because you're not worried about being there long enough for things to balance out. Sure. Our strategy was month one, we're going to meet people. Month two, we're going to pour as much value as we can. And month three, we're going to see what happens. That was that was our, if you watch the show, you'll see. I'm yeah. like, I'm just going to add value. I'm going to add value. And I don't, you know, I don't anticipate anything happening. And then we, we talked about this, this hockey curve. So at some point, the relationship equity gets so full in the other person Mm -hmm. that they don't feel okay anymore. Right. They're like, they're like, I don't feel comfortable because you've been giving me so much (laughs) stuff that you're making me feel bad. Yeah. And they will start looking for it. And this is what's interesting. The two people that sent me all the business, I didn't even get business from them. Only two deals, two out of two out of 10 deals from two people. The other eight were referred by them, but because of my relationship to them. It's really crazy, really crazy. But you will notice that I did it faster than 
by doing it the natural way actually was faster and more productive yeah. by doing it the slow way. Dude, that, that, that's game changer to me because yeah. I like, I coach social media and mm-hmm. if you would treat social media, like you're looking for your next referral and not like you're looking for your next transaction, yeah, everybody's worth way more money when you look at them yeah. as a referral source and not a transaction. Yeah. And even I, more, if you look at them as a friend, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but, but nobody, very few people actually pay attention this way. And I think believe that it actually works. And, and what, what's also fascinating about sales is I think people convince themselves that you can't refer me until we've been in a transaction. Mm-hmm. So nobody even thinks that, well, how can I get referrals? I'm brand new. Yeah. And like, but most of my referral sources, my biggest referral partners, some of them have never been clients of mine. Uh, understood. I, same thing. I've had people say, oh my gosh, you got to use him. He's a great loan officer and I've never done a loan with him. But they assume because I'm such a good guy right? that, I, I forget what that principle is called, but you know, you look at somebody at some way and they're great at it. You just assume they're great at everything. Right. So I go and I help them. I help them. They're like, oh, you got to use Casey. He's just an incredible loan officer. What they mean is he's an incredible guy and you're not going to be sorry. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and so I, Casey, tell us, y'all did, you did this show, right? How, how many episodes is it in total? Six plus six uh, episodes, six in a reveal type. Okay, follow. cool. Yeah. And so Obviously, you had expectations of some sort that you took into it for all different things. What was the one thing that happened that you were like, in a million years, I could have never predicted or anticipated this? It's going to be hard to convey how this felt, but I wrote all the names on the on the board as a database when I got into my third month. So I would remember who to call and who, where I could potentially get a deal from. Yeah. And what was really interesting was in the very end, I got, I was super exhausted. I got, I was so, I was emotionally drained and, um, I can't imagine. Yeah. It was just self pressure. Right. I'm like, sure. Cause, cause I didn't get my deals until the last week. Wow. Like it, like it didn't come like the hockey stick thing, you know, the way we did it, we were trying to like, we weren't going to get any deals until the end. And so we did, I didn't try to get anything. And so I built the value first. But a couple of days before, I wasn't even there a full 90 days. I left a few days early because the weekend was there. It was Halloween and my family and stuff. And sure. so we, we did a little bit shorter. But I took the names from one board and I, I had this wall up. I bought these post-it notes and I taped it up and I did a second wall and I transferred names. And what, what was really interesting was a lot of people say, you know, write down what happens in your year and go back and look at it and you can learn so much. And, you know, it sounds great. And that's, that's a lot of work. And I don't know, I don't know that I can do it that much, but I honestly put these names up on a board, the, my transferred them and I sat on the couch and I was exhausted. And I remember looking and I just went, Oh, like, like, there was a guy that gave me a hard time during the show and I absolutely disliked this guy and he was very rude, obnoxious. He came to my socials, arrogant. He made some of my guests feel bad. Um, wow. He's a somewhat popular realtor in that area. 
Um, I just didn't like him. And I had to deal with him multiple times. And when I sat looking at my, when I sat looking at the, my production board where all my business came with, I just realized I'm like, I didn't, I didn't need to go through the discomfort that I did to get that. Mm. And I didn't realize that until the end when I wrote it down, I had, I had the video playing, I had some video playing from some of the video guys had some stuff going on the computer that I was watching. So I heard that in the background. I heard me cold calling this guy kind of thing, like trying to get him to a class. Yeah. And meanwhile, I was watching my board on where all my stuff came from. And I just realized I didn't need to, I didn't need any of the negative stuff. Mm -hmm. Had I focused on my avatar up front mm. because none of my business came from my, my heartaches. Right. Anyway, so good. It's hard to convey, but when you're exhausted and you go through it, yeah, you have this, this aha moment, like I could have done this even faster. I could have done it better. I could have been working wow. with people I like better. I could have been pouring more into them and less into these, the asses and the, the negative people and stuff. Like I yeah. just didn't need to be there, you know? And, yeah. uh, and, and I know for a fact, like if I were to do it again, I could just do it easier and I could do it more. Wow. I don't think I could do it necessarily much faster because you do need some time to make a real relationship that doesn't happen well, because of technique, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would even argue, cause I know both of you guys like 90 days is probably even faster then you would just naturally like to cultivate relationships. Yeah. They're just doing it normal. Uh, yeah. But we, we actually have some tactics that, yeah. that, that promote that because there's some, if you know, it, even when you care for somebody, there's things you can do that help cultivate a relationship, sure. even from a sincere level. And that's, yeah. You know, I love the, the people that I worked with there and I, yeah to this day, nothing has changed because they're my people. Um, and I, I, there's not a thing I would have, um, that I still wouldn't do. I mean, I'm Lauren, for example, her and her teammate, they're, they're down in Pueblo. So it's three and a half, four hours from here. I'm going there next week to hang out and help their team out. Yeah. And I'm not even producing that much. And so just to show you like, sure. When you, when you work with people that you like, it's not work, you know? No, man, it's, it's awesome. I can't wait to watch the rest of the show. And I can't, I can't let you get out of here without asking a video question because you literally, you lived with yeah. a film crew for three months. So real quick, talk to us about like, what was the mental warfare? Like always, cause you're not a camera guy anyway, right? Like, you know, you know yeah. Nick and I, we can both live in front of a camera and that's our skill set. We're good at it. This is not what you enjoy doing, no. right? which made you perfect for being the star of that show because you hate that spotlight so much. So what was that like mental warfare, like having to overcome always having a camera pointed in your direction? Yeah, I got really lucky. The culture media is the production crew that filmed it. And the main, call him the main guy, his name's Rob and Rob Aspedia. And it, I got really lucky because Rob and I ended up having a lot of things in common. So when I moved there and Rob would come over every day and mic me up and follow me around and, you know, walking with a drone over my head and all, yeah. all those things. Um, and he knew I hated it. 
you know, he's like, man, sorry, let me, let's just do this. And <laughs> I need you to go back here and we got to shoot this shot again. And can you smile? And, you know, but uh, not having my family there in the beginning was the, you know, the first couple of weeks were hard. Um, mm -hmm. And then what happened was I got used to being alone and then my kids started kind of detaching and they, they weren't quite as engaged. And then that became hard because I saw the separation. So then I sure. had to like try to re-engage and so all those things are, were on top of trying to do this thing. And that, that was, um, yeah, it was a lot of pressure, you know, but what was cool about it was Rob, who is a very young version of me, uh, at least as far as I can tell, um, we, we clicked really well. And so it made it fun to like develop a new friendship when there was yeah. a big gap in my life, you know, normally I'm married with kids. Like I don't have room for new friends and sure. Yeah. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing family stuff. And so to have that gap and have somebody there that had a similar mindset, he's a really kind, nice driven entrepreneurial guy. And we would, you know, we'd jump on YouTube and look at Alex Ramosi videos or whatever. And, oh, look, you know, look what this guy's doing or whatever. And so that, that made the tramp, that made it nice. You know, it was like getting a new family member. And that was a big bonus of doing the show. I ended up meeting, probably five people, six people that are now friends wow. for life. You know, I love it. And I, I know I said that was the last question, but one, I got one more. So tell everybody about cheetah juice. Oh, <laughs> because I just, it's, I, I think in branding and marketing, most like LOs and realtors are so old school and like they're giving, you know, pins to people and like, and so I remember, you know, well, it was probably, it may have been over a year ago when y'all first dropped. There it is. Y'all can't see it on the podcast, but I don't know. But so, so tell people like what, what is cheetah juice and, oh. and what role does it play in, in y'all being able to, to, to be memorable? Yeah, that was a fun thing. So uh, almost exactly a year ago, Nick and I were at a Renee Rodriguez event uh, doing Amplify. Yep. And Renee is very, very, um, has a special skill in getting to the soul of people and kind of figuring yeah. out what makes people tick and why do you do what you do? And I was up in front and he's like, you know, what's like, what's your why kind of thing? Like, what, why do you go so hard? Why do you, you know, why do you do what you do? And I said, Renee, man, I don't know. I just like, I get up. I'm like a cheetah. Like I just get up and there's a gazelle running across the thing and I just get after it and, and want to go get it. And I don't, I don't think I have a white man. I, I'm like, my kids are fed. We do all right. Um, it's not like I'm doing it for them necessarily. And he's like, bull crap. You know, Renee, Renee's like, you're not getting oh, yeah. off that easy. <laughs> you're not getting off that easy, man. <laughs> And so anyway, we, we went through some of that to kind of talk about why I do the things I do, but I came back and sat down next to Nick and I always drink energy drinks. I had a, I think a diet Red Bull there or something. And Nick goes, you drink those very much. And I said, yeah, he goes, that's your cheetah juice, man. <laughs> and so anyway, it was pretty funny. He ended up, we came back and, and he ended up doing some research and he created the energy drink and got a label for it and stuff. And, um, just as, just for something fun, you know, we try to get things done fast, go to, yeah. go to we went to, did the reload show, try to hit a number fast. Um, and 
speed to win is is a pretty big thing and and uh that energy drink kind of represents that a little bit and it's one of those what i love about it is it's it's almost cool enough to you don't want to drink it because you want to have it you know on your desk or in a cubby and so it it serves as a constant reminder of you yeah and you don't have to be annoying right it's yeah. that passive branding that, that I love about it, which is why I had to talk about it before we finished. <laughs> We've gotten a lot of play from it. People, people love it. Plus they love how, how it tastes. So I've had no less than a dozen people ask to purchase cases of it so they can have it. And, uh, that's been a lot of fun. It's been a Man, lot. Of fun. I need, I need some. So yeah, well, I'll get I need you to officially put in an order for some cheetah juice. <laughs> Do you drink energy drinks? I love any, you know, I, any of the sugar-free ones yeah. Yeah, Red sugar-free. Bull or, you know, any, I'll it's drink be- any it's of better them. than all of them. Come on. <laughs> I, Man, I can't wait. Casey, tell us how we'll put all this in the show notes. How, how does, how do people connect to you? How do people connect to the show? How do people connect to the Legion of Loan officers? Yep. Drop that on us. Yeah. There's, there's a few different um, ways you can get a hold of us and, or get some help if you want. Uh, the, if you want to watch this show, there are six shows plus a reveal show. And there's a YouTube channel for it, but you can easily find it at reloshow.com. So R-E-L-O-L-O-show.com. And each, as the episodes are released, you can find them there. I think four released, maybe the fifth is tomorrow, if I got that right. Okay. And the Legion of Loan Officers, I'm not sure on the website, but you can definitely Google Legion of Loan Officers. We'll have it in the show. We'll get it in the show. Yeah, it's also, they they call it Lolo, um, it's for short. Um, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram and Instagram is Relo L O show. And so you can find us there. And we also just to pull a quick plug. We have a Facebook group. That's a six week challenge that you can join that Nick and I personally will help help. First of all, if somebody wants to get from not doing well to doing well, I can help you 100% because I've done it a bunch of times. And so you're invited if you'd like to join the um, our six week challenge on Facebook. We give you daily um, to do items. It takes an hour or less, and it's very similar to what I did on the show. And it's only six weeks instead of ninety days because hopefully you already know some people, right? And that helps. But anyway, you're all invited to do that. We'll I love it. Personally, walk you through it. Email me the link to that, and we'll make sure it's in the show notes for everybody. Awesome, awesome, Dude, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. coming on the show and talking about all this stuff, man. It's well, been awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. Of course. Guys, go watch the show and then don't just watch it. Get over yourself. Realize you're not perfect and go pick up some of these skill sets and some of these tools and more importantly, the mindsets that you're going to watch Casey have and grow through this show and go apply it to your people. And then hopefully we'll be back next time with, well, it won't be somebody with a TV show, but it will be someone (laughs) and they will be cool and they will have a great story. We'll see you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the social media mindset podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go follow and reach out to my guest. Also, please consider sharing and leaving a review wherever you consume this content. 
because this is the world we live in and your review online for others to see is invaluable for the success of this show. And remember, you're amazing. Talk to you soon.